Amen. Amen. Well, uh, guys, July 4th weekend, uh, I prayed for you this week. I want you to know that. I prayed for you on Wednesday that you guys would come back with all of your fingers intact. Okay, so let me see them. Let me see them. Hands up. Just should we, Okay, all right. You didn't know y'all were Pentecostal, but that's there you go. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that everybody is okay. I hope that you had a good fourth and uh, enjoyed the freedom that we have in this country, uh, both to live and to worship God freely. And uh, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, well, guys, we're in the middle of our summer sermon series entitled The Kingdom of God. We've been at it for three weeks, and so far all we've done is figure out what the kingdom of God is. That, that's, that's what it's taken us. Week one, uh, we found out that typically when you run into the term uh, kingdom of God in the Old Testament, which is sprinkled throughout the Old Testament, or in the New Testament where that, that phrase appears 160 times, typically uh, what, that, what that word means is it refers to the reign or the rule of God. That's, that's God's right to rule over all that he's created. And so when, when you hear the kingdom of God... Uh, Primarily, it's talking about God's right to rule over all that he's made. Um, But the the Bible also uses another term to talk about the kingdom of God, and and that's realm, right? And it's that God manifests his reign in in two different realms is what the Bible talks about. And that's where it got hard, right? Because there's a, a future kingdom that's coming. There's, there's a realm of, of God's reign where God will reign over all things. He'll make all things right that are currently wrong. And, and that's coming, right? We read about that in Revelation when there's no more death and there's no more disease. There's no more diverse, uh, divorce. All those things are done away with. And so we talked about that future kingdom a couple weeks ago. But then last week we talked about there's not just a future kingdom. That's not the only realization of the kingdom of God. But in the life and person of Jesus Christ, that future kingdom of God invaded this present evil age. And so we're kind of living between, like the kingdom has been consummated here in this evil age. Like glory has not come. We're in an age of grace, not glory. Um, but, but there is a time that is coming where, where all those blessings of the future kingdom happen. But, but right now, that's not where we are. But because Jesus has come because he has lived the perfect life that we couldn't, because he died uh, a death in our place for our sin, um, because he was raised to life and, and he conquered death. Man, guys, we now, now, today, not, not one day, today we can have eternal life in God today because of Jesus. Not only can we have eternal life, not only can we be set free from the power uh, or the penalty of sin, we can also be set free from the power that sin has over us. And we talked last week about the fact that when you were enslaved, when you were abducted, right, that abductor brainwashes you. They brainwash you. And we said, that's what the enemy has done. We were enslaved and we were taught by the enemy, by the devil, that we're not good enough for God, that we're junk, that we're not worthy of love, right? And, and, and so listen, the power of the current kingdom of God, the present kingdom of God, is that our minds can be transformed from all the abuse we've taken from the devil. Amen? And so, so we're, we're, we're excited that we're, we're in this age because we, we get freedom from this world even though we live in this world. And so this morning what I want to talk to you about now that we've defined what the kingdom is, I want to talk to you about why we miss it so often. How, how come so many people miss this kingdom? That, that this, that, like the kingdom has come, but, it, but it's not. Like how, how come so many people miss it? How come we misunderstand it? We're pro, so prone to misunderstanding. So this morning, uh, what we're going to talk about is what's called the mystery of the kingdom of God. And so join me in word of prayer as we prepare our hearts to receive God's word. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, which is good and endures forever. 
God, we know that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. We know that it is alive and active. We know that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that all of the people of God might be equipped for every good work that you have planned for them. And so, God, our prayer this morning is that your word that is alive would be alive in us. And we can't manufacture that. That's not something we can do on our own. As I prayed um, with our leadership team this morning, we can't uh, open our own ears or open our own eyes. God, that's something we need you to do. And so, God, would you open our eyes to see the truth? Would you open our ears to hear the truth? And would you unlock our hardened hearts that they might receive the truth? Holy Spirit, we invite you to come take your place in our church. You are our teacher. You are our guide. And we ask that you would exalt Jesus Christ in our midst, that we might see him clearly, and he would draw all men to himself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, guys, I've got four things for you this morning, so we're going to be booking it, okay? Four things. If we're going to talk about the mystery, we just need to start. The very first observation is basically that there is a mystery, okay? So so here it is for you. Uh, Jesus, when he came, he revealed a new truth about the kingdom of God that was unknown throughout the Old Testament, okay? Basically, the summation of that is there's a mystery, right? When Jesus showed up, he, he revealed a new truth about the kingdom that was previously unknown throughout all of the Old Testament. If you guys have your Bibles, I'm in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read uh, verse 1 through 17 together. If you've got one of these cool little things in your Bible, one of these stringy things, you might want to mark Matthew 13 because we're going to be here a lot over the next coming weeks as as we talk about the kingdom of God. And so it's called a stringy thing, right? Is there a technical term for it? I I don't know. Bookmark. Bookmark. There you go. Uh, Stringy things. I got two of them, which is awesome So because I'm in two places uh, this morning. We'll also be in Daniel chapter 2 if you like to plan ahead. But uh, Matthew 13, uh, word of God, starting in in Matthew 13, 1, I'm going to read through verse 17. And the word of God says, It says, on that day, uh, Jesus went out of the house and he was sitting by the sea. Such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat down and while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. And it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and they choked it. Still other seeds fell on good ground and produced fruit. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. Then the disciples came up and they asked him, why are you speaking to them in parables? And he answered, this is important, Verse 11, he answered, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For for whoever has will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because looking, they don't see, and hearing, they don't listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, you will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn back, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes, because they do see, and your ears, because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things that you see, but didn't see them, to hear the things that you hear, but didn't hear them. 
I want to look at that more closely. Uh, look at verse 11. I put it up on the screen for you. Jesus says, because... Uh, they, they said, why, why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus answers, uh, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but, but not for them. Now that word secrets is, is kind of cool in Greek. The, the word in Greek is actually mysterion. That's where we get our word mystery, right? Jesus like, actually says, the disciples are like, why are you speaking in parables? And Jesus is like, because I'm revealing a mystery to you. Okay, I, there's a mystery about the kingdom that people don't understand. I'm, I'm revealing it to you right now. And, and then if we go on, look at verse 17, right? He, he, he goes on. He doesn't stop there. He says, for truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things that you see, but they didn't see them, to hear the things that you hear, but didn't hear them. Let me kind of paraphrase that. What Jesus is saying is this mystery was not even known by the prophets of old. What I'm going to reveal to you about the kingdom of God is new information. It's not something that anyone else previously has understood. And it's not something that the crowds can understand right now. It's not something that the religious teachers in the crowds can understand right now. Jesus actually says their hearts are callous to this truth. God's going to have to open their eyes or open their ears. Like they can't, this is new information about the kingdom. So when Jesus shows up, we have to start here, guys. When, when, When we read about the kingdom, of God in the New Testament. Jesus is revealing information that was previously not known. He, he's revealing to, to us, like the readers of the text now, he's revealing to, to the original crowd and to us, like, hey, what I'm saying is, is different from what people used to understand. It, it's a mystery, okay? And so that's just where we're going to start this morning is, is uh, this is a mystery. And listen, I don't know how you feel about the Pharisees. I don't know how you feel. I tend to think the Pharisees are a little easy target. You know what I'm saying? Like as a Christian, I read, and I kind of read the Pharisees. I hate how they add to the Word of God. Right? They, they, they add weights and commandments and burdens to the Word of God that the Word of God doesn't. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in our world that do that. They drive me nuts, by the way. If you're one of them, I love you. I love you. I'm just saying, that may drive me nuts. You know, like you may hear me say, hey, that's not in the Bible. And you might look at me funny. But, you know, so be it. Okay? So that gets me. Uh, it, it gets me that they are so concerned about their positions of power in society that they don't want to lose it. That when, when the Messiah who they've been looking for shows up, they completely miss him because they don't want to lose the little bit of power they have. Right? And, and that, that drives me nuts. And so I want you to see, like, like they're, they're easy targets, but what Jesus is saying, okay, listen, it, you wouldn't have done any better is what I kind of want you to understand. You wouldn't have done any better because in the Old Testament, when the kingdom of God is talked about, it, it's always kind of talked about in that future realm. There's, there's not really any place other than, like, there's some glimpses, okay? Isaiah 53 is a glimpse. The, 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 the kingdom would come with a suffering servant. Like, that's a glimpse that something's off from, from what I've read about the coming kingdom because the kingdom is about glory and power and, and reign, and, and, and then you go suffering servant. So there's glimpses, but there's no place in the Old Testament that really ties all that together for you. So I want to give you an example of what I'm talking about, why, why I, I don't think the Pharisees should be an easy target necessarily here. Their hearts were hard, don't get me wrong. But, but when somebody read the Old Testament, when Jesus says, listen, this is a mystery that even the prophets couldn't figure out, out. Like the prophets weren't the Pharisees. The prophets were the people of God. And I want you to read what some of the prophets would proclaim. So I'm in Daniel chapter 2. And uh, uh, Daniel chapter 2, 
and I'm going to be in, in verse uh, 31 of Daniel chapter 2. And I'll give you a little background as you find Daniel chapter 2, uh, verse 31. So the background is that the people of God have basically been kidnapped, right? So, uh, so the king of, of Babylon, um, Nebuchadnezzar, comes in and, and, and he uh, invades. At that time, it, the kingdom was divided. So he in, invades the kingdom of Judah and he takes captive all of the best of the Israelites. And so uh, they're all in captivity in Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And, and, and this dream deeply disturbs him, so much so that he goes to his wise men and he's so disturbed by the dream, he's like, you guys have to tell me what my dream is and interpret it for me. And the wise men are like, dude, we can't do that. Like, you, like that's not how it works, O king. We're wise, but you have to tell us what the dream is and then we'll interpret it. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, I'm not playing that game. You're going to tell me what I dreamed, if you're really wise, and you're going to tell me uh, what it means. And if you don't, I'm going to kill all the wise men. Now, here's the problem. Again, the Israelites are held in captivity. And there's four guys in particular that the Bible says were considered wise men that were actually people of God. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so Daniel, uh, there in captivity, hears like, they're, wait, wait wait a second, you're going to kill us? He's like, you're going to kill us? We didn't do anything. Like, like, well, the king said he had a dream. And if, if, if you don't tell him what the dream is and you don't interpret it, all wise men are going to die. He's like, I, was, I didn't label myself a wise man. But he's like, well, you're in. And so, so, like, so Daniel prays like, okay, God, I'm in trouble. God, I'm in trouble. Here you are. You brought me here. I'm in captivity. There must be a purpose for this. So God, oh God uh, of wisdom, would you show me the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and would you reveal to me what it means. And the Bible says anyone who lacks wisdom can ask for it. It'll be given to him generously without finding fault. God gives Daniel wisdom. And, and, and Daniel sees the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar, and then he's going to interpret it. So I'm in uh, Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 31. And here is what the word of the Lord says. Uh, Daniel uh, speaking says, your majesty, as you were watching, suddenly a colossal statue appeared. And that statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was terrifying. The head of the statue was pure gold, its chest and arms were silver, its stomach and thighs were bronze, its legs were iron, and its feet were partly iron and partly fired clay. As you were watching, a stone broke off without a hand touching it. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay, and it crushed them. Then the iron and the fired clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold, were shattered and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away, and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell you, the king, its interpretation. Your majesty, you are king of kings. The God of heavens has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and glory. Whenever people live or wild animals or birds of the sky, he has handed them over to you and made you ruler of all of them. You are the head of gold. After you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over the whole earth. A fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron, for iron crushes and shatters everything. And like iron that smashes, it will crush and smash the others. You saw the feet and the toes, partly of a potter's fired clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom. Though some of the strength of iron will be in it, you saw the iron mixed with the clay, and that the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly fired clay. Part of the kingdom will be strong and part will be brittle. You saw the iron mixed with the clay. The peoples will mix with one another, but will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with fired clay. In the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed." 
and his kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. Okay? And that kind of sums up, kind of sums up the Old Testament view of the kingdom. So Jesus shows up on that scene and he begins to speak the things that we read in Matthew 13. And guys, he shakes the entire foundation of what the Jews believed about the kingdom of God, about God himself. And, and that's where we need to start. What we're going to talk about this morning, uh, this mystery of the kingdom of God, it, it's a new thing. Like that, that's why it's a mystery. What Jesus shows up to reveal. Now, it, it, it's not that God changed his plan. This was always God's plan. Nobody could just see the way it was going to happen coming. Remember, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. God's ways, it, they couldn't be seen. So this is, like a, this is a new thing. It's a new revelation that God gives us uh, through his son, Jesus Christ, about the kingdom of God. So then the question is, okay, so there is a mystery revealed in the New Testament that was not seen in the Old Testament. Then the question, I don't, I'm an inquiring mind. So what's the mystery? Okay, anybody else? All right, we can stop now. We, I, I got three more points. If you guys don't want to know the mystery, we can stop now. You guys want the mystery? Okay, all right. I got a couple. Okay, we'll, we'll go with that. I know it's July 4th weekend. It was a long weekend. So here we go. All right, so mystery revealed. I'm going to give you just kind of three uh, glimpses of the mystery. And, and so first and foremost, I, I would tell you that the, the mystery uh, was that God's kingdom would be established while sinful institutions remained, right? God's kingdom would be established while sinful institutions uh, remained. And, and, and if you think back to, to Daniel, to the Old Testament thought, it, what, what, did, what did it say? The, the dream interpretation was like, hey, and then this kingdom is going to come, this, this stone is going to break off, and it's going to crush every other, it's going to demolish every other kingdom, and it will endure forever. And so the thought was that when the kingdom appears, when the kingdom shows up, all other kingdoms are going to be done away with. And so in, in, in Jewish thought would add to that, um, especially the kingdoms that oppress God's people. Any kingdom that has oppressed God's people, that kingdom would surely be crushed. And so Jesus shows up proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and, and the Jews are going, if the kingdom of God is at hand, what's up with the Romans? Right? What's up with the guys that are oppressing us? Because, because our understanding is that when the kingdom of God is established, it will crush every other rule, especially people that oppress God's people. But then think about Jesus' ministry. Some of the things that he says are like, hey, by the way, my father has other sheep you don't know about. Meaning that, that, you know, they're going, hey, hey, the kingdom of God is especially going to oppress, uh, or especially going to crush uh, the kingdom of those that oppress the people of God. And Jesus shows up and says, by the way, there's other people of God, right? And, and, and it's especially going to crush those that oppress, oppress the people of God. And Jesus shows up and he says, by the way, uh, Rome isn't your biggest enemy, Satan is. Right? It's not Caesar, it's Satan. Like there's a greater oppressor. And so when Jesus shows up revealing these things, right? And, and, and if you were back in, in Matthew chapter 13, I'll just turn back there um, for a second. Listen, starting in verse 24, I'm not going to read the whole parable, but verse 24 through verse 30, Jesus tells this parable of the wheat and the weeds. And so he shows up and he says, like, here's the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom's like. Ready? It's like this. A, a, a man goes into a field, and, and he, he, he basically, he spreads weeds in a man's field. Right? You don't do, that's dirty. He said, what do you do when the weeds pop up? Do you yank them? No, if you don't yank them out, because then you'll pull up the wheat too. And Jesus says, so, so here's the deal. The kingdom's come, but it's not going to do away with all of other kingdoms right now. For a time, both the wheat 
and the weeds will grow together. God's, that's revolutionary thought. That, that when the kingdom shows up, when it's established, that, that, that sinful institutions are going to remain. This is why, like, John the Baptist, for instance, struggled to understand the kingdom of God. You remember John's about to be beheaded? He's about to die. He sends his disciples to Jesus. Now, John is the first one that sees Jesus for who he is. He's the first guy that says, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And then he's about to die, and he sends his disciples, like, is he really who he says he is? Why would John do that? Because John's understanding of the kingdom was that when the kingdom was established that it would destroy all sinful institutions. And here's a sinful institution, a sinful, uh, basically, king, right, that John's about to be beheaded by. He's about to be beheaded, and he's like, hey, man, I, 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 don't, I, like, this doesn't, I don't understand this. How can the kingdom of God be here and me still have to deal with this difficulty, right? And so, guys, can you, can you kind of see why it would be so important for us to understand that this kingdom of God is different. It's a mystery from, from what you think. It's not that it's, 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 it's not that this stuff is coming, right? But, but right now we're, we're here. And so, so uh, Jesus begins to reveal this mystery. And that's the first thing he uh, reveals. Uh, the second thing that, uh, that he reveals is, uh, oh, that was number two, wasn't it? The first thing, what, what was number one? Oh, yeah, that was number two. Yeah, second thing, he re- I forgot there's four points, right? So the mystery, the mystery now, point number three. Okay. So the second thing uh, that he reveals about this mystery is that not everyone is going to receive the kingdom of God, right? That that, that not everyone will will receive the the kingdom of God. And and, and again, this is a huge shock to the Jews. And and the reason why is because they thought that the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God would, would exalt the entire nation of Israel, all of it. That's how they viewed it. So in their mind, uh, so when we think about the Pharisees, why were the Pharisees so strict? Why would they impose so many rules on people? Because in their mind, they had to be holy enough for God's kingdom to come. And so they were trying to force people outwardly to do things, somehow thinking that the outside stuff would change the inside of the heart, which Jesus shows up and says, that's not how it works. You have to clean the inside of the bowl first, not just wash the outside, right? These guys kind of click in with you how this all makes sense. And so so they were trying that. They're, They're trying from the outside. Outside and and, uh, and and Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, that, that's not how the kingdom works. Um, and they, they were trying that because they thought if they could exalt the entire nation of Israel, if they could get everybody right, uh, doing the right things, that God would have to show up and establish his kingdom. His kingdom in their mind meant that all of the Jews would be the God's special people again and just the Jews, okay? So in their mind, it was the exaltation of an entire nation. Then Jesus shows up. And he says, the kingdom of God is at hand, and I am the sower, and I am sowing the seed. And get this, three of four types of people will reject it. What? Right? So your mindset is that because I'm a special group of people, like my whole nation is going to be exalted. It's for everyone. And then Jesus shows up and says, the kingdom has come. And guess what? It's not for everyone. Three of four types of people are going to reject it. And he goes on and he says, okay, so here it is. Some of you, your hearts are so hard to the things of God that there's no way that you could even think about the truth that I'm sharing. Think about the Pharisees. Nope, I'm out, right? And he says, some of you, okay, you're, 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 you're so shallow that you're going to hear what I'm saying and you're going to want, you're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, the kingdom of God, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in for the kingdom. And then you know what? It's going to get a little hot. It's going to get a little hot. 
Some trials are going to come. And the moment that people start uh, mocking me or threatening me, you are out of here. You're out of here. He said, you're not, you're not going to get the kingdom, right? And he says, and some of you, some of you, you want, to, you want this kingdom stuff I'm talking about, but you have no desire to change. You, you say that you want the kingdom, but you like all of the busy things in your life, and all that stuff will choke out the seed of the gospel. Kingdom's not for you either. It's got to be good soil, right? And, and, and hear that teaching and think about it in context of who the Jews were and what they thought the kingdom was going to be, and it is a shocker. And you go, oh my gosh. Oh, oh my gosh. So, so God's kingdom is going to be established while sinful institutions remain. God's kingdom is not going to be received by everyone. Say, like, well, what, what else? What else, Jesus? And so Jesus goes on in Matthew 13. So give you one last thing. Jesus teaches us that the kingdom's beginning is going to seem small, insignificant, and almost unobservable. Okay? So... The Jews believed, right? And we can go back to Daniel 2. You can go to almost any Old Testament. They, they, they believed the kingdom was arriving with power and glory. Like when you read Revelation 2 and you hear the trumpet blast and the earth will shake and, and you go, yes, Lord. And, and that is the view of the coming kingdom. And so Jesus shows up. He says the kingdom is here and it's more like a mustard seed. What? No, 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 no. It's a trumpet blast. It's, it's more like an earthquake. And he's like, no, it's not an earthquake. It's like a mustard seed. What are you talking about, right? So no, that, that's it. See, in, in fact, if, if you want to compare it to something else, and this is crazy because everywhere we hear the term leaven, we kind of think about sin. But in this instance, it's not. He says, it's kind of like a little bit of leaven that's worked into a, a, a dough, a little bit of yeast worked into a dough. What? So yeah, you can't see it working. But once it's in, it's in. And that thing is slowly going to start to rise. And eventually, it's, it's, it's going to affect everything, right? It's going to rise to it affects everything. And so, um, I'm, in, I'm in Matthew 13. Let's just read these two together. Uh, Matthew 13, starting verse 31. And uh, Jesus speaking again. He says, he presented another parable to them. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants, and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. And he told them another parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until it was all leavened, right? So the kingdom, its beginnings are going to seem small, insignificant, almost unobservable, the kingdom of God is going to be established by one man. And that man won't sit on an earthly throne. Okay? That man won't be esteemed by anyone, according to prophet Isaiah. He, he won't even have a place to rest his head, according to his own testimony. His followers will be uneducated. Blue collar. Not thought of highly. They'll be fishermen and tax collectors, kind of... The, the edge of society, like people are like, ah, he'll be followed by women, some of which didn't have great reputations. And they'll be his financial backers, right? His mission, well, it's not political. It didn't involve any earthly government or any other worldly institution. Can I say that again? Can I say that again? Just, I, I feel like in America, sometimes we forget. 
Okay? His mission wasn't political. It didn't involve government or any other worldly institution. No, Jesus came to set the captives free. To restore sight to the blind. He proclaimed the kingdom was not of this world. Instead of trumpets and blaring and the earth shaking, Jesus comes as one who is meek and lowly, not born in a palace, but born in a stable, placed in a manger. He lives his life as a servant all the way up until the point of death. From the world's perspective, he was a blip on the radar and easy to ignore, but don't be deceived. Just because you don't see the yeast doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't mean that it's not working. Doesn't mean that it's not slowly causing everything to rise. And what Jesus says is this, the kingdom of God may not have been established in a way that was visible. But one day, it will rule over all things. One day, the prophecy of Daniel will be fulfilled. Now today, we know the truth. Today, we know that the kingdom has come in the life of Jesus Christ. We know that Satan has been dealt a, a death blow. Okay? We, we know that, we studied last week, Jesus has overpowered him and disarmed him. We read that last week. But we also know that Satan is still pretty powerful. And if we're being honest, I know we don't often do that, but if we're being honest, sometimes it's easier to see the hand of Satan at work than it is to see the hand of God. Right? Sometimes in this world, it is easier to look at what the devil is doing than it is to understand that God is at work, but God is at work restoring all things. Okay? He's at work restoring all things. So what does that mean um, for us? I told you guys when we started this that my hope every week was to talk about why each truth that we talked about was important. So there are two reasons I think understanding that the kingdom is a mystery is important. And, and, and the first reason why it's important that we understand the kingdom as a mystery uh, is so that we don't miss what they missed, right? So we don't miss the kingdom because we're looking for something else. So we, we got to know that, that, that the kingdom, because like we're, we're, we're looking for glory. <laughs> like, I, yes, Lord, I'm ready for no more death, and I'm ready for no more disease, and I'm ready for no more divorce, and yes, God, I'm in for all that stuff. I want all the good stuff. And yet Jesus shows up and says, hey, man, the kingdom's kind of like a little tiny seed right now. It's, it's kind of like some yeast worked into some dough, and, and you can't always see it. You can't always see what I'm doing. You can't always see how I'm restoring, but you have to trust it's, it's, it's growing. And one day it's going to rule over everything. And so I, I don't know what you're looking for or expecting God to do for you. Maybe you're here and you're expecting God to take all that hurt away. Maybe you're here and you're expecting God to deliver you from a disease. Maybe you're here and you're looking for prosperity, for wealth and health. And listen, God may grant you those things. Those things are promised, but they're not promised necessarily on this side of the kingdom. Right? Those things ultimately, Jesus has already won those things. But the promise, like the spoils from that victory are actually not promised until the kingdom is consummated. You follow me? Now, now sometimes, because we live in an age of grace, we get some of that stuff now, praise God. 
Okay? Praise God. So we ask, right? I mean, that's what the Bible says. Jesus asked. You don't have because you don't have. So we ask. Okay? God, I want a taste of the kingdom. I, 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 want, I want a taste of the feast that's to come. I, I want to see the glory that's to come. And, and remember, we get that glimpse of glory, and that helps us kind of trudge on through the wilderness. Okay? But the ultimate fulfillment of that, remember, that's to come. And so I, what, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to misunderstand where we are or what's going on. Okay? We are here. That is where we are. And when we get that, when we understand the mystery of the kingdom, we understand that God is at work. We understand, listen, understand that sin has to remain for a while. And, and that we're going to have to grow up together with sinful institutions. I begin to understand these mysteries that, that Jesus unveils. I begin to go, oh, okay, okay. I, I, I got it. Okay, with, with that mindset, I can press through this, right? That's why Paul says, now understanding that, I can run this race with perseverance. Because you need perseverance when you're, when you're stuck in a place and there's sinful institutions coming up next to you. And it always seems like the sinful institutions are winning, amen? Right? So you go, okay, okay, I, I can do this. I can do this. And so, I guess the first thing, I, that, that's my hope for you. When, I, I pray you understand the kingdom so that you won't miss it. Understand that it's a mystery so that you don't miss your need for Jesus or why you should follow Jesus now, okay? It's a big deal. Second reason I think it's really important to uh, understand uh, that the kingdom is a mystery is because uh, of this truth. Because giving your time, talent, and treasure to this kingdom could be the greatest investment of your life. I don't want you to misunderstand the kingdom and it's coming, and the fact that right now it's small and sometimes unobservable, I don't want you to miss that, because I, I want you to understand giving your time, talent, and treasure to the kingdom of God could be the greatest investment in your life. So the Bible says um, that if we believe in God, if, we've, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that God adopts us as his own children, and we become children of God, and, and that's why we sing songs like, I am a child of God, right? Because we're children of God, and get this, it says that we're heirs of the kingdom. Heirs of the kingdom. That, that just means you, you have stock in, in the kingdom. In fact, Romans uh, eight seventeen says it this way. It says, uh, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So, so suffering now, glory later. You guys following me? Okay. So suffering now, glory later. And so uh, like, like the kingdom right now, um, I'll meet you here. The kingdom right now doesn't look like much. Okay? Kingdom right now doesn't look like much. I just, just want to be honest with you. Okay? Because it, it's, it's a mustard seed. It, it, it's, it's a little bit of leaven worked into the dough. You don't always see the, the, the kingdom, right? There's still death, and there's still disease, and there's still divorce, and there's still hurt, there's still abuse. Like our world, we still live in this really broken world. And sometimes it's easier to see the brokenness than it is to see the blessing. Okay? And so that's kind of where we are. And so it's not always easy to see the kingdom, but it's very easy to see the world. Right? And, and, and so I, I, right now we live in a time that it seems like success is found in pursuing power and education and fame and, and fortune, right? All of that stuff held up against like education and fame and fortune and power. You look at that and then you look at a seemingly insignificant kingdom and you're going, well, yeah, this looks great. I mean, this, this looks like nothing here, right? But, but here's what the Bible would, would declare. Ready? All of that is going to turn into dust. And this thing here... Get a little lower. This, 
this, this thing here that seems like nothing is going to rule over everything. And here's what I would dare to say to you. This is crazy. You, being a co-heir with Christ, you being a co-heir with Christ, the kingdom being down lowly where it is, right? I want you to think of it like this. You're in on the ground floor. And our life, our life is an opportunity to reinvest. So you can take all the shares that God gives you and you can hide them away, the Bible says, right? You can dig them in the dirt and go, well, he's coming back. I'm just not going to do anything with them. Or you can take your shares and you can reinvest them into the kingdom. The, the small, insignificant, looks like nothing kingdom. And as that kingdom grows, so does your reward. As that kingdom grows, so does your reward. So much so that it might just be a hundredfold what you put in. Which, by the way, you can't put much in anyway. God gives it all to you. But here's what Jesus says about it. Uh, Matthew 19, 29. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, father, mother, or children, or fields because of my name will receive what? A hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. So what I'm going to submit to you, and this is, I think this is so huge. Like, part of the mystery of this kingdom is that it, it, like we live in this age, if we're just honest, and, and, and maybe that doesn't make you comfortable to be honest, that, so brutally honest that you go, I don't know, we see God at work. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know about you guys, I, I'm kind of at the point, I don't even like to read the news. Right? And not just because I cut cable and I don't want to watch, like I'm, I'm just, I'm tired, I'm weary of the brokenness of this world. And I look at the world and I go, man, we are messed up. And I see all the mess, and it's hard to see the master sometimes. But here's what the Bible would dare to say to us. Oh, the master's at work. And what he's done is he's, he's, he's mixing up exactly the right ingredients. So this little thing is going to rise up and, and reign over all things. And as you invest your life in this thing here, as it grows, so does your reward. And what I'm going to submit to you this morning is when you understand the mystery of the kingdom like that, I think it removes any obstacle that your mind might say, saying, well, it's not worth it to give my life to God. It's not worth it to live for his glory. It's not worth it to give myself fully to his church. It's not worth it to go and share the gospel. What is my reward? And God says, oh, trust me, your reward's more than you could ever imagine. It could be a hundredfold. So I guess I would, I would close this morning with this little challenge. Ready? My friends, invest wisely. Invest wisely, okay? Pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Um, we know that it's good. We know that it endures forever. And uh, we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you'd help it sink in this morning for us. God, would you forgive us this morning if we are here and we're not living for your kingdom. We're living for our own fortune or fame. For many here, uh, if that's the case, it wasn't our intent, Lord. But it's so hard when you see the world screaming, you've got to have these things. You've got to live for this. This is what's important. And sometimes, God, we just confess it is easy 
to see that. And sometimes it's hard to see you at work. Lord Jesus, would you open our eyes? Would you give us spiritual eyes to see you working in our own lives, in this world? And God, would you teach us that ultimately the most important thing we can do with our lives is give it to your kingdom and to its cause. God, may you be glorified in how we spend our time and how we use our money and in how we use the gifts that you have given us. May they all be used to further your kingdom. In your name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.